guys are uh, Nick and Carly Arsenal here. Hope I didn't miss them first service. There you are. Come on up, Nick. Wonderful. Is Carly here? Or is she downstairs with the famous? Okay, that's all right. Well, uh, uh, I got a, a Facebook message or email this week saying that Carly Arsenal was going to get baptized. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then uh, I get a Facebook message the next day saying, congratulations to Nick Arsenal who got baptized with his daughter. So let's give Nick a hand. That's awesome. I was uh, thrilled when I saw that because I don't know if there's anything more beautiful, right? Than a father and daughter being baptized together the same night. This is a baptism certificate for you. There's a little membership bag for us for you as well. And before I leave, I'm going to have you state the good confession for all your church family to, to hear and to say with you. All right? all right? So repeat that for me. I believe, I believe that, Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Oh. His uh, daughter, Carly, as I mentioned, was baptized as well. We may get, let them present that to her downstairs in front of all of her friends. But when you see her afterwards, make sure you give her a big hug. All right. Well, I, I didn't believe it. I wasn't going to believe it until I saw it. And I saw it last night. And uh, I didn't think 3,000 people could fit in here in one night. And uh, man, that was crazy, wasn't it? We had people coming and going everywhere. And uh, a lot of fun. Um, we did ask people for some information. Um, so that we might have the opportunity to uh, share with them when future events of the church were coming up. And many people were willing to share that information with us. So we're uh, very grateful for that and look forward to hopefully connecting with some of the people that came and uh, being here with them in worship. And hopefully some may even be here today. So we're uh, welcome if you are. We're uh, glad that you're here to worship with us. Um, Let me pray for us and uh, we're going to dive right into God's word this morning. Okay, Uh, Father, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, Thank you for Nick and Carly. Lord, what a. What an amazing, amazing thing to uh, see somebody come to Christ and come to believe in who you are and what you did for us on the cross through Jesus Christ and to enter into a watery grave, dead to sin and to raise up alive with a new life. And for him to get to share that with his daughter on the same night, such an amazing, amazing thing. And we're just so thankful for that. And we look forward to walking this journey with Nick and Carly and seeing where you lead them uh, to do your work for your kingdom and your service and your glory, Lord God. Father, as we open up your word today, may you just pour your spirit over us. May we be ready to receive and hear the message that you have to share today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Um, I, too, I forgot first service to say this, so shame on me. Uh, but I appreciate the young men getting up and sharing from God's word uh, last week. I'm partial to the guy that was wearing the suit and tie. Um, he was a handsome little devil that shared the communion meditation. Uh, but I got to watch all of the stuff on video and uh, they did an awesome job. And, and it's uh, just fun to watch these young men, young men growing and studying God's word and presenting it and just watching them uh, grow will be a lot of fun over the years. And, and I would ask you just to join us in prayer that God will just raise up a bunch of ministers out of this congregation. You know, that he'll just call young men and women from this congregation to go out and to be the children's directors and youth people and senior ministers and elders and deacons all across the world that we could just ensure the future of the church till Jesus comes again um, by raising up these young uh, men to, to be preachers of God's word. So join us in prayer with that. All right. In 1942, this guy named Roger Bushell um, was taken to a prisoner of war camp uh, in West Poland, and it was uh, Luftstalag 3 was where he was, was placed. 
And when he went into this prisoner of war camp, what he recognized, as was probably with all prisoner of war camps, is that the prisoners started to organize themselves. Right. So they knew that there were trying to. And these were allied soldiers. They weren't all from America. Of course, they were just all the different allies, soldiers that were captured and were kept in this prisoner of war camp. And they would organize themselves in a way to show unity and to say, listen, we still want us to win the war. And our part is to try to escape from this. And so we're going to try to be as disruptive as we can. Even from being a prisoner of war, we want to try to do our part to win the war. And so Roger came in and he was known to have escaped from another prisoner of war camp at another time. And so he was immediately put in charge of what they had called their um, escape committee. All right. Uh, We all need a good escape committee. Right. Um, And don't form one here. Right. Um, And so he, he was put in charge of their escape committee immediately. And he started to draw out plans and to survey the land and try to figure out who was where and what was happening and what the layout of the land was. Now, they had him on very sandy soil, which was very difficult to tunnel tunnel underneath. But that he decided was going to be their avenue to get out of this place. And so for a year and a half, they planned a huge escape where they would try to get 200 men, 200 prisoners out of this prisoner of war camp to freedom. And to do that, they built tunnels underneath the grounds where they were. They built Tom, Dick and Harry. Those are the three uh, labeled uh, tunnels that they had so that they could be code, speak in code while the Germans were around. They wouldn't know what they're talking about. And so they um, started tunneling their way. And sure enough, a year and a half later, they were ready. And they said, listen, there's no better time. The weather is perfect. Everything about this environment right now, we need to go now. And so all the men that were interested in part of this escape were put in a hat and they drew out 200 men. And those are the only 200 that were going to get to try this escape. And on one night, they decided, all right, this is the time. Those 200 men had to make their way to this one barracks. They had to take the identity of these other men. Those men had to go to another barracks so that they could be in the place where the tunnel was. And they decided that night they're going to go. And so they started tunneling guys out and tunneling guys out and tunneling guys out. And they got to number 77 and they heard a shot, which meant that number 77 was captured. No more. Everybody else has to burn all the documents, burn all the uniforms that they had made. Everything had to be disposed of so that they weren't their plans weren't on to. And so they had to demolish everything else. Only those 76 now, guys, um, were going to get the chance to escape. Right. And so they did escape out from those walls through the tunnels. and They got out. Um, but how, however, only four of them actually made it to freedom. Fifty of them were taken and executed, shot in the back. Hitler wanted all of them killed, um, but it ended up 50 of them were shot. Um, four of them escaped. Um, several, like 16 or 17, were brought back to the Stalag. Why uh, others were dispersed of, among other ones. And we know this story and this account might sound familiar because they made a movie about it called The, the Great Escape, right? Steve McQueen. Right? We have that visual of him riding off on the motorcycle over the fence and taking off, right? And we actually have had accounts um, about five years ago. This guy's daughter who was actually in the, the guy was in the prison. His daughter found um, these uh, diaries that he kept. And he wasn't one of the 200 men that was going to get to go. But he documented all the stuff that he saw. And he verified all these crazy things that they tried to do to escape. And the tunneling and things that they were undertaking to try to get out. But the point that I want to share about that story is that these guys were stuck. They were caught in this place that they wanted to get out of. 
And in order for them to get out from this trouble and this imprisonment that they were in, they needed an exit strategy. They needed a strategy, a strategy for how they were going to get out from where they were in captive to freedom. And that exit strategy was going to have to be one that was well thought out, taken care of and know that this will be able to happen so that men could be free and not lose their lives for it. And we use exit strategy in different areas of our life as well. Sometimes when people are investing, they say, what's your exit strategy? At what point will you have enough money? At what point do you not want this much risk? You only want this much risk. And so you exit out of the stock market so you don't lose everything. And we call that an exit strategy. In the Bible, probably one of the greatest exit strategies of all time was when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. This is audience participation to keep you awake, because I know that time change. You didn't say you stayed up extra late, didn't you? Eating all that candy where you got a sugar rush going right now. Right. And so God called Moses. He raised up Moses. Moses was supposed to be destroyed because Pharaoh wanted all of the young Israelite boys thrown into the Nile River. Uh, Moses survived that by his mom putting him in a basket. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter found him, raised him in Pharaoh's actually his own household. And he raised him up and he was taught all these leadership things. And through a course of events, he was actually banished from Egypt and had to go. And then God called him and said, go in and take my people, take them home. Take them to this place that I'm giving you as an inheritance. And I want you to march in there and tell Pharaoh just to just to let him go. And he raised up Moses To be this guy, to go in with this exit strategy of you're going to go in and you're going to send all these plagues upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And they're going to realize how great and awesome and powerful God is. And eventually, through enough of these plagues, he's going to say go. That's the exit strategy. And on top of that, letting you go, they're also going to give you all their valuables. And so God made the... Israelites favorable to the Egyptians and they would ask them for all their gold, jewels and all these things. And the people said, sure, here, have you all you want? And so as they were leaving, they're actually plundering the Egyptians and God's great escape plan, his uh, great um, uh, strategy that he had to exit his people from Egypt was to send Moses in to free the people and to walk out with all the belongings of the Egyptians and to go to the promised land. This great exit strategy. Well, in this book of Mark, we're about to go into the final days of Jesus' life. We have seen as he has come on the scene and started his ministry, he's preaching to people that they need to repent. He's trying to explain to them that he is the Messiah, that God has sent the chosen one, the anointed one to free his people. And he's sent them, sent him with this message to teach them and to share with them that they might come to know who he is. And now he's on his way to what town? Jerusalem, where he is going to be crucified for our sins. And as he's heading toward Jerusalem, he starts to lay out this exit strategy for what it looks like for him to not just die on the cross, but to be resurrected and to ascend to be with the Father in heaven. And the exit strategy starts with a blind man. And a blind man's name is Bartimaeus. So look in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Mark 10, verse 46, starts this way. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, 
And so we know that Jesus had been teaching up north of Jerusalem. He came down by the Jordan River because he was uh, we talked about the uh, instance with he and John the Baptist as far as he was talking out about uh, marriage and about divorce. And now he's heading up to Jerusalem, which means up on a hill, not necessarily directionally, uh, but going up the hill. So he's going up to Jerusalem. And to do that from where he was at the Jordan, he has to pass through Jericho. And so he's passing through uh, Jericho as he was going, his disciples and a great crowd. This is not unusual, right? Everywhere we see Jesus go in the book of Mark, we see a great crowd. He's healing people, casting out demons. He's teaching and they're all just following him. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus actually means son of Timaeus. So Mark's being a little redundant there. When you see the letters B-A-R, bar, it means the son of. I'm just throwing that out there. You probably don't even want to know what that means. But anyway, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. There's four quick things that I want to point out about Bartimaeus in the situation that he was in. First of all, we see that Bartimaeus was trapped In the dark, he was trapped in the dark. Bartimaeus was blind. He couldn't see light. Some have suggested that he could see partially because he sprang up and went to Jesus. We don't know that from Scripture. All we know that he was blind enough to be sitting by the roadside begging and relying on the mercy and compassion of others to sustain life. Right. He was a blind man. He was stuck in this dark place. He was trapped in it. He can't get out of it. There's nothing that Bartimaeus could do to become unblind. He couldn't go get a shot. He couldn't go get medicine. He couldn't do anything but be able to go and sit by the roadside and beg and have people give him things that might help him to sustain life. He was a blind man. He was trapped in this darkness. Nothing he could do to get out. And we see that in our passage of Scripture. And Jesus had come across other blind men as well in the same situation, blind, caught in a situation that they themselves cannot get out of. Nothing they can physically do to escape this trap that they're in in darkness. The second thing we notice about Bartimaeus is that he was lost in this environment without relief. He was lost in an environment without relief. You see, Bartimaeus was not just trapped in this darkness But the only place he had to look for help was the world around him. The only place that he had to go for some kind of relief was the world, this environment, this culture, these people around him and relying on their mercy. And what kind of mercy do we see that they showed to him? All these people are following Jesus. They're going to Jerusalem. Why would they be going to Jerusalem following Jesus other than the fact that it's Jesus? Going to celebrate Passover, aren't they? Yeah, Jesus is going to have the Last Supper during the Passover. And so all these people are following Jesus, going up to celebrate Passover uh, with Jesus or with their family. So they're all coming by. They see Bartimaeus saying there, uh, sitting there, 
And do they say to Bartimaeus, hey, Bartimaeus, why don't you come with me and my family? We're going up to uh, celebrate the Passover. We'd love to have you with us. You're a Jew. We're Jewish. We want you to uh, enjoy this with us. This is a great special time. Why don't you come and join with us in this celebration? But the environment that Bartimaeus was in was that people were not being that compassionate with him. There may have been some people throw some coins here or there. But at the moment that they had to invite him into their home to get him out of this environment where there is no relief and provide some relief. This is all that Bartimaeus had to be able to look for that. And he wasn't getting it. So he's trapped in a dark place that he can't get out of. And the only relief that he can look around in or to experience is that just right around him. And he wasn't finding it. That relief was not there. In fact, he not only did they not invite him to come with them to Jerusalem, he cried out for Jesus. And what did they say? Hey, shut up over there. Quiet down. I'm tired of listening. You go on and on and on. He's either not listening to you or he doesn't want to come to you. So just be quiet about it and just stop already. Okay, I got my kids here. They're starting to yell. I don't need this from you, whoever you are. And so they not only just don't invite him to come along, but they actually rebuke Bartimaeus. And they say, listen, stay in the spot that you're in. Sorry that you're the guy that had to be blind, but you're blind. You stay there, do your thing, but don't bother the rest of us with what we're trying to do. And so he was not only trapped in darkness, but he was lost in this environment because the only place he had to turn for help was his own people, his own culture, his own environment. And the relief was not to be found. But, but Bartimaeus did have hope. He found hope by what he heard. He was able to discover hope by what he was able to hear, what he listened for. Because as Bartimaeus is sitting there, he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming through. He heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming through. Now, Jesus was not an uncommon name at that time. But when you said Jesus of Nazareth, wait a second. I know who that guy is now. Bartimaeus may have been taken by somebody to go listen to Jesus. Maybe he was just listening because um, he obviously didn't have the sense of his eyes. And so his hearing was probably that much better to be able to pay attention that he was listening to other people tell stories about Jesus. I don't know. But he knew that when Jesus of Nazareth was coming by, that stirred in him hope. He had heard of this guy. He had heard that he heals people. He had heard that he is the Messiah. He had heard that he casts out demons. He had heard that he was an amazing teacher. And he heard that guy was coming by and he yells out for him. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I believe the only time that son of David is mentioned is by Jesus himself. And that Bartimaeus was the only other person to acknowledge this, at least to that time. That this was Jesus, son of David which he would only get by listening to the teaching of the Old Testament to know that the son of David was coming as the Messiah to rescue them. And so he not only listened and heard that Jesus was coming and knew all the things that he did, but he acknowledged who Jesus was as the son of David. This is not just Jesus of Nazareth. This is the anointed one. This is the Messiah. This is the guy that's coming who's been teaching and healing. And that's the guy that's coming. And he calls out to him and it stirred in him a great hope. And why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? When we're caught in darkness and we're trapped in a place where the world's the only place we have to rely on for relief and we're not seeing it or experiencing it there, by all means, we look for Jesus 
and the hope that we have in Christ as he passes by to say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Acknowledging who he is gives us great hope. And then what we find finally is that Bartimaeus is able to exit this dark spot by receiving the light. He exits this dark place. He exits this trap that he's caught in by receiving the light. You see, you only become unblind when the light is able to break through the cones and the pupils and the retina and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as Jesus said, get up, go on your way, your faith has healed you. Bartimaeus receives his sight and the light has come into his life and through his mind he's able to see outward. And we know that by his receiving Jesus, by believing in who he was, acknowledging who he was, what he was capable of, Jesus healed him so that light might come into his life again. See, the first part of Jesus' exit strategy, while it's a story, a real story about Bartimaeus, it really is the story of the Israelites, and it's the story of you and me as well. See, the Israelites for 400 years were enslaved in Egypt and they cried out to God and he sent a light through Moses to rescue them. Well, between Malachi and Matthew, we have 400 years of silence where we don't have a word from the Lord. And the Israelites are looking and saying, Lord, save us. Son of David, have mercy. God, have mercy on us. And they are blinded. They are caught in this trap. They can't get out of, which is sin. And God sends them a light. He sends them Jesus that they might be able to have their vision cleared and their blindness gone to be able to see that Jesus is the true light, that God is there and he's there to rescue them through Jesus, his son. And he exposes for them. Light does two things. One, it exposes things, right? When you turn on the light, you can see it exposes the darkness. How many of you have stubbed your toe going to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Yeah. I think that the devil created those little things that they put on the base of your bed, right? That's the thing that I always stub my toe on every single time. I'm surprised I have even ten toes left, right? You stub your toe so many times. But light exposes that. We turn the light on and it exposes the darkness so that we might be able to see. And so when Jesus came, he came as the light. And the first part of the strategy, the exit strategy, was that he needed us all to see that in darkness, in sin, we are blind and we cannot see. There is no way for us to get out. Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by God's grace, not by works so that any man might boast, but it's only by the grace of God that we are rescued. We can't find the way out by ourselves from sin. The only way out is through Jesus Christ, who exposes the fact that we all are sinners. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of those sin is death. The wages of those sin is death. And Jesus came to expose, to light up the fact that we all are sinners in need of God's grace in order to be reconciled to him and live in eternity someday with him. It had to be exposed in people's hearts. And the first part of Jesus exit strategy with the light coming in was to expose the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior. The second thing that light does is it illuminates. It shows our path. One of my Favorite verses, one of the first ones I ever memorized was Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we have God's word to illuminate the way that now that we realize that we're sinners in need of a savior, that Jesus is the light that we can follow 
And that we have God's word to light the path for us to understand what it is he wants us to do, how he wants us to live, who he wants us to be as a servant of his. You notice in our passage of scripture that when Bartimaeus was made well, it said that he followed Jesus. I think if I was cured from blindness in that way, I wouldn't get more than two feet away from Jesus the rest of me or Jesus life. (laughs) I'd be following that guy everywhere, right? Covered in the dust of a rabbi, you better believe it. I'm having him kick me every time he takes a step because I'm that close to him. There's no way Bartimaeus is going to leave Jesus. He's going to be by us. This is the guy that healed me. You won't believe what I can see now. I'm the guy that was used to beg money from you. Now I can, I can see now. And Bartimaeus followed him. And why? Because he saw the light. He saw the light of Jesus Christ and that he showed him that we are sinners in need of this Savior, Jesus. And now he's illuminating the way that we might be able to see. See, the exit that we have from darkness, the exit that we have from darkness is by following the light. It's only made possible by the entrance of light. The first part of Jesus exit strategy is that light needed to come to expose to us all that we are all sinners in need of a savior and to illuminate the way to show that Jesus, as it says in John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the father, but through me. And then Jesus needed to illuminate that way so that as he goes, as he ascends into heaven, he knows at least his 12, as well as other people that were listening to him. And apparently Bartimaeus would know that there is a Messiah and the way to heaven, the way to eternity is to follow that light. And so you're one of two people here today. You either are someone who has not discovered this light And not had it exposed that you're a sinner in need of a savior and seen that light to follow. Or you're somebody that has. That God has come into your life, that you've seen the light shine in the darkness that is your life, that we're hanging on to. It says that in Ephesians 2 as well. We used to hang on to the things of the world that Satan would trick us into and trap us into and we would chase these things. We're not that person anymore. Because Jesus has come to the light that that might be exposed. Our need for a savior is exposed. And that we have our path illuminated that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're in that second category of the person that has accepted the light and is following the light, you then have to say, all right, am I one of those people going up to the celebration of Passover, passing by blind people, beggars, Disabled people, poor people on my way to Jerusalem. And am I carrying them with me and saying, come celebrate with me? Jesus is the Christ. Let's go celebrate that together. Or am I rebuking them saying, sorry, this isn't for you. Here's a couple of quarters. Go buy a cup of coffee. And we're challenged by this because in God's great exit strategy of Jesus from this earth, He has come to rescue those that are trapped, you and I, in our sin and providing us hope that we might not have to rely on the world around us. This environment that leaves us no restoration, that leaves us no hope of relief whatsoever. He brings the light into the world so that we might have this great hope inside of us. And then finally, he exposes the darkness so that we might see that Jesus is Lord. And our challenge is to pick up the Bartimaeuses along the way. And take him to Jesus because they're calling out for him. And Jesus is saying, bring him to me. Bring him to me. 
Bring them to me. Have you seen the light? And if you've experienced the light, are you showing it for others to be able to see as well? If you've not yet experienced what it means to have the light come inside your life and expose the darkness, that you're in need of a Savior, I'm going to be at that cross while the worship team comes and sings. If you're somebody that has experienced the light, that you are following Jesus, and you just want prayer to understand what it means to show that light for others to see, or if you're just struggling with what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus with all your heart, I'd be glad to receive you over there as well and just to pray with you. And we'll just pray and ask God to show us each what that means and to light the path for both of us. All right. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for uh, the story of Bartimaeus. We know it to be a true story, Father, but we also know that it means so much more. Just like the Israelites were blinded and trapped in this darkness, that you sent a great hope in Jesus Christ, the great light to illuminate darkness and show our need for a Savior and to illuminate the path that it takes to get to that Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for that, Father God. Lord, now as we pray, we just ask you to write this word on our hearts. Help us to take this word to those that are in need around us, that we might be a people that will take people with us to see you, that as you say, bring them to me, that we would absolutely follow that and bring people to you, that they might come to understand and know who you are. Father, thank you for the light of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.